You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCart. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we're going to jump on a bandwagon because right now, this summer, everything is all about Oppenheimer and Barbie. Now, I have only seen the Barbie movie so far. I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet. Maybe that's next weekend. What about you, Erin? Um, I'm seeing Oppenheimer next weekend. And then um, I have no definitive plans to see Barbie, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to, I just don't have tickets purchased. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you don't know. I might go after this. Uh, I might go after we record and go see Oppenheimer. <laughs> you don't know. I love that. <laughs> I am fascinated by the people who go see both because Oppenheimer is like three hours long. Yeah. That is a lot That's of popcorn. So much popcorn that I feel nauseous just thinking about it. That's a lot <laughs> to consume. And because the drinks are so big now, mm-hmm. listen, I would have to go pee so many times. And I'm not normally that person, but three hours, it's a lot. Yeah, it's hard to anticipate that. Well, with that in mind, we all know Oppenheimer talks about the discovery and, and invention, creation of atomic weapons, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about A-bombs over Nevada or Nevada, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) (laughs) which talks about the testing after the war. So this is after Oppenheimer. And this came out in 2016. It's only 51 minutes long. It's on Paramount+. Plus. It was directed by Tom Jennings. So let's talk about Vegas. Because the Vegas you know now hasn't always been that way yeah I always think of it like the rat pack days and like Mm -hmm. lounge singers and stuff and more of that rather than a Cirque du Soleil or something like that um I don't know really know what that means but it always seems like that was its creepy teenage years rather than it's like mature (laughs) years like when it got a little bit of class maybe and then it Promptly threw it away. <laughs> and then it, yeah, slid down the hill to uh, sex work. So no shade. It's from, fine. But from from class to crass in no time flat. <laughs> it's it's a movie prop in my world. I don't understand how people live there. Although at one point it was the fastest growing city in the country and it mm-hmm. had like the best schools and everything. So good for you. But having been there and seeing smut on every single corner, I'm confused as to how they ever thought they could push this to families as a family vacation. But people go eat at Hooters with their kids, so. (laughs) That's true. It's not even good food. (laughs) Like, if it was good food, I could be like, all right, whatever. Right. Ladies aside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I, I don't know that I've ever actually eaten there. I'm not... I guess I'm sort of neutral on it, but when you talk about the family restaurant, I'm like, is it, is it? Mm. (laughs) Right. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, good for those ladies. I mean, work it while you got that. Body, Absolutely. But... <sighs> they they probably put up with a lot of stupid shit too. So Jesus Christ, yeah, people <laughs> smacking their ass and everything. I'm sure of it. I'm sure so of it. Much. Anyway, Vegas started as I think a mining town, and then grew because it's the middle of the desert, right? There's like very little out there. Well, there is now, but. If you look outside of Vegas, it's like just desert (laughs) and nothing. And in the 50s, the early 50s, they said there were only about 50,000 people, right? Mm -hmm. The mobs were just moving in, putting in casinos. (laughs) The nightlife was just starting. So I guess that uh, Brat Pack, it wasn't the Brat Pack. The Rat Pack, sorry. The Brat Brat Pack pack came later. (laughs) Totally different. The Rat Pack was, I guess, later 50s, maybe. Sure. And I mean, like, it probably attracted some ne'er-do-wells or adventure types or whatever initially because there probably weren't a lot of regulations there because nobody cared about this area until sometime later, which I think also is applicable to this story we're going to talk about today. (laughs) Right. Right. That lack of regulation, boy. I mean, helpful. Yeah. Um. So if you think about the timeline, we're right in the middle of the 50s and the Cold War with Russia is just full blown, right? Going mm-hmm. strong. Sure. Die, die, commie, die, I think was pretty much what you heard every day on the news. <laughs> the yeah. Red Scare, McCarthyism, mm-hmm. all that shit, right? Yeah. Well, Russia, well, they were building their own nuclear weapons. We can't have that. Right. We, we have to be in competition with somebody at all times. That's And winning, not just in competition, <laughs> winning. Right. How are we going to build any national pride by like kindness and, you know, taking care of stuff? Like namely the people we have to be uh, rallying to conquer someone else. <laughs> like, that is our jam. So, mm. Yeah. So as much as you'd like to think after we dropped two weapons on Japan, also I'd like to point out we're the only country that's ever used atomic weapons as an act of war. Shh, or shh. other I know. We don't want to I talk know. about that. That's that's historically accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we talk about all these other countries like they can't have them? It's dangerous. I'm like, but we're the only ones who's ever actually used them. Whatever. Mm. Um, but we need to make them bigger, stronger, faster. Just like the $6 million man. Exactly. <laughs> so where do we go first? When we think about moving out of Los Alamos, New Mexico, which is where mm-hmm. the original program was. So when they're trying to decide where to go, I think places that are uninhabited are going to be top of the list, Right. So they decide to go to the Marshall Islands, specifically uh, Bikini Atoll. Yeah, I think we've all heard of them. Right. And I'm like, it sounds such a fun name. Like, Bikini just says vacation spot, but not then. Yeah. (laughs) Don't do it. Probably not now either, Mm -hmm. all things considered. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so... What did they say? They said they just, that our government needed to know how military infrastructure would withstand a nuclear blast. So they decided to 
detonate a nuclear weapon that was anchored 90 feet below sea level. And they had all of these like decommissioned ships on the water, kind of just chilling out at different distances from the detonation. Mm -hmm. How'd that go, Erin? It wasn't something that we had seen yet. And so I appreciate their scientific um, approach to some of this, but I also think it's sort of ironic that they're like, look at this horrible thing we built. Let's see what happens when we use it on ourselves, kind of. <laughs> like, yeah, on everything else. Yeah. I mean, they had no no thought as to how is this going to affect the environment around it. N- none of that, right? Right. Very casual. So if you have good notes on the effects of this, go for it. My general impression was at least there wasn't any atmospheric pollution. Yeah, right. That's the only positive. It was the only thing I could say is because when you think of an atomic weapon going off, you think of like it goes into the air and it's like that bright light and then the mushroom cloud. Um, And this is underwater. So it just displaced so much water. Right. I mean, it was just visually stunning because there was so much water that was pushed out. And then like the shockwaves and everything, you could see these ships that had been like anchored around or whatever to try to see what would happen. Oh, some of them were like bent metal. They were just destroyed. It was horrible mm-hmm. to see the impacts. It's not like they just flipped over. They were, <laughs> the, the shockwave had just decimated them. Which I think is interesting because it's like, did you think they'd ride it out well? Just a wave. We'll just, We'll just crest the wave and keep right. going. If you just throw an extra buoy on it, it'll be good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so yeah. funny. Like, And that's, that's kind of my thought process for a lot of this stuff. What did you think would fucking happen? Now, again, we have this knowledge, I guess, because of some of these tests. So I, I don't want to look back and be like, well, this was stupid. It's only stupid because we... They did it, I guess, and now we know. Because this was new technology, right? Right. I think it's interesting because we kind of apply the same thing when we look back at doctors of yesteryear. We're like, well, the only answer is to bleed you. And I have a little bit more sympathy for them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah, because you did have pretty smart people working on this project when it first started. And most of the people I could be mistaken, I think like Einstein and Oppenheimer and the likes after they got going and they saw what this could do, they were like, we really should not do this. Um, they started to realize the ramifications of what could happen. I could be wrong. I could be, you know, romanticizing it. Well, my thought too is like, don't we have a lot of information from what, happened to japan i mean like we know what happens to a body exposed to the <laughs> i mean but how much did we know how much information did they let out okay. to us right okay. i don't know sure sure all i know is that the bikini atoll was just too far away logistically and they couldn't get weapons and stuff there real easily so they had to bring that shit back in house fascinating that they were like we know how bad this is, but if we just pick a remote enough place, then nothing could go wrong. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. 
So, yeah, Alaska, Utah, the Outer Banks. Like, stop it. Well, I did like they at least justified that by saying with the Outer Banks on like the Carolinas, they were thinking with the wind, it would just take the radiation out to sea versus inland. Right. So it wouldn't affect the people, just the environment, which would (laughs) affect the people eventually. They just short term, short term. Right. Not really. It's just fascinating that they're like, okay, it's such a, I guess that there are people that still have this outlook, but it just seems so rudimentary. Yes. I think our government very much still has this outlook of short term solutions. They never think about, think about hurricanes. They continually come and other countries have kind of solved the problem on how to build things. So they are not destroyed every time a hurricane comes, but that would cost more money right now, even though when a hurricane come next year, let me rephrase that, when a hurricane comes next year, it will cost more money to rebuild everything than it would just to have built it stronger to begin with. But they see that initial cost and they're like, nope, too much. We're going to jump over that dollar to pick up this shiny nickel and we're mm-hmm. going to pay just a little bit now so we can pay exponentially more later. It's the dumbest fucking thing ever. But what do I know? Well... What is the other country's uh, philosophy on thoughts and prayers? I mean, I'm guessing, I'm guessing they don't use them. I just don't know. As efficiently as we do. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm getting all political today. Sorry about that. (laughs) So I think that at least from the public's perspective, or maybe this is propaganda, there's a lot of discussion about like, oh my God, if other people have these, they're definitely going to use them against us. And I'm like, maybe that's just us. Maybe that's just our, that's our thinking. So of course the Soviets mm-hmm. are on the table, right? And we have to one-up them as all the movies have ever told me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think it's funny because when you look at some of the propaganda they put out here, it's very similar to the propaganda they put out in the Soviet Union about us. It's the same shit. Mm-hmm. Although we like to think of ourselves as better than we're not. Yeah. We're just on, in a different location. Mm-hmm. So we also have the Korean War, which in that case, we're talking about communist China for Mao Zedong. And um, that's really triggered by the crossing of the 38 parallel. And I wish I knew why that was significant. Like I thought I was like, Oh, I'll totally look it up. So I'm educated, but I didn't, I just trust that that was too close to something, probably the (laughs) nukes. I don't know. And so they were like, we got to go in and take care of that. Listen, someone crossed an imaginary line and we can't have that. If we've learned with immigration, (laughs) those imaginary lines are fucking important. God damn it. Right. We were like, don't you even, is it a toe? (laughs) One more step. Right. (laughs) So um, then we had, the super fun concept of mutually assured destruction because the only way to keep somebody in line is to be able to also blow them up if they blow you up. And again, because these are men, we have to have bigger bombs. And so we need Mm -hmm. bigger sites of testing. Yeah. 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 So Nevada, they have 1300 square miles. Uh, Vegas is only 65 miles away, but don't you worry about that. So I do like how they said it's bigger than the state of Rhode Island. And I thought, isn't everything bigger than the state of Rhode Island? I mean, (laughs) literally everything. (laughs) 
like not the greatest of comparisons, but I'm sure. no. Yeah. How many no. football fields could I fit in that space? <laughs> That's the other comparison right. I always hear. Yeah. So. Yeah. So January 27th, 1951, we have our first nuclear weapon released. And I also love the fact that they have names. Right? Mm-hmm. I guess Little Man and Fat Boy just started a trend, right? <laughs> yes. So this is a, a one a megaton, I think. So 1,000 pounds is okay. what I have. One ton then. The next morning, because one wasn't enough to like, you know, we crunched all the data overnight. <laughs> There's Baker. And so, yeah. So then you have 10 days of five bombs up to 23 kilotons. So you said between one and 23 kilotons. Now with, to put it in perspective, the bombs dropped in Japan were 15 and 20 kilotons. So they're working their way up. They're starting small to kind of control it and see what they can do Mm -hmm. and how it affects whatever. And then they're building up. And so that's where we start. Yeah. The fifth test, the 23 kiloton, they said they could see it and feel it as far as L.A., which is a bit of a drive and a lot of mountains in between. So that's impressive. Right. Right. Absolutely. I mean, they have to get some protective gear. So they have the cobalt glasses or goggles to protect your peepers. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not convinced of your safety first approach, but good try. So what's so funny to me is one that this has become, so it starts off, I think, with just like scientists in that, right? And then it grows and you have a lot of people there. They talk about building a town there and everything, but they make it like media come because they want to show the U.S. what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Although it's supposed to be very secretive, it becomes less secretive, apparently. (laughs) Even have one Walter Cronkite, who, as we know, is the end all be all for newscasters. Indeed. And you have, you know, sometimes people would just, I think, bring dates and be like, hey, this is cool. Come watch this. I, it's so weird that it's a spectator sport at this point. That bleacher set up like seven miles away. Yeah. So I guess maybe that was one of my favorite parts about the documentary is they show a lot of footage of the time that you might have seen. Now, I think that there are probably some some scenes that you've probably seen before. There are some famous clips in here, if you will. But the fact that there were just like installed bleachers, like you would see at every sporting event ever, is fascinating to me. It's just so funny. And they make like little pamphlets to be like, Fallout is your friend or whatever. It's not quite that bad, but it's <laughs> it's just next door. Um, because they're trying to manage that public expectation or mm-hmm. anxiety that... I know we told you it was like bad in Japan and stuff, but it's fine here. Yes. Also, <laughs> um, Fallout is your friend is going to be our next merch. I'm just saying. <laughs> Little mushroom cloud. Right. So cute. The <laughs> graphics. <laughs> but you're right. They're trying to make it not only palatable, so people don't really worry about this testing being done here, but also letting you know if a bomb were to be dropped on U.S. soil, you could survive it. You, If you take, quote, common sense precautions, like wear sunglasses, don't stand next to plate glass windows, duck and cover. They used to have, like, reels to teach kids to, to get under a desk. 
which I don't know would help much during nuclear explosion, but a regular bomb, it would probably help from things falling down. So it's not like necessarily bad advice, but it's not appropriate here. Yeah. I mean, technically we're one generation away from that. I did ask my mom about it. Yeah. I I said, did you guys ever have like nuclear test drills or anything like that? She's from Minnesota. So I don't think (laughs) that was a big target. And she's like, no, not really. She had people in their neighborhood or their town that had built fallout shelters, yeah. but they never had any like drills in school or anything like that. Yeah. I think it's really interesting too. They don't necessarily talk about it in this documentary, but I wanted to bring it up that we're seeing um, in this time frame a lot of romance or I don't know. Um, it shows up in film, right? Because we talked about that when we talked about horror noir and, and some of our other movie documentaries that we've talked about that this is seeping into the culture and we have like reached the atomic age and all of the it's sci-fi movies and all of this kind of stuff and when you hear Mm -hmm. about how they were promoting it it makes total sense to me that it makes its way into our art where we're kind of trying to resolve you know how we feel about this super new technology that's really scary so yeah mm -hmm. well And it is scary when you think about people sitting and watching it. But then I'm thinking, I totally would have done that. I totally would have gone and watched it. Well, of course, when they assure you that nothing could go wrong. And I think that they're lucky that it didn't get worse than it did. Right. Yeah. At one point, there is a... So, they're talking to some military personnel. Because we'll get into the fact that they bring some of them in. Oh, I was thinking of you so hard, but... (laughs) What's happening? I was like, yeah, they did. Mm. Oh, those fuckers. Mm. Marines first, they're most oh, disposable. Of course. Um, <laughs> so the this guy is is talking to another gentleman who had been in a trench near uh, a detonation. And he's like, Well, how do you feel? And he's like, Well, of course it's not pleasant, but it's manageable. And it, you know, I was only um exposed to one milli rankin, but it takes like four hundred rankin to actually be you know, toxic or totally whatever. And all I could think, <laughs> yes, when you become a superhero, that's the limit. But all I could think of was Chernobyl, where they're like, Willie, it's not that big of a deal. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. It's because the readers don't go up that high. That's, that's exactly as far as they go. what I was thinking about. I was like, oh, no. But yeah, because I guess we never really talked in Chernobyl about how they knew what was acceptable. Uh, Well, probably from experiments like this. (laughs) Exactly. So it's so funny to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that. They decided they need to, part of the experiments weren't just to make bigger bombs, right? They're Mm -hmm. trying to understand what would happen if it were dropped in a town or a city. And also how was that affect houses, cars, bridges, people, animals. So they did a lot of experiments, which I I can get behind. This is science, right? They're systematically going through and they're, they're building houses of different um, kinds of structures, single story, two story, different materials. Some had two by fours, some had, some had two by sixes, right? Mm-hmm. Which made them stronger. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you just got a bigger one. Just got Duh. a bigger one. Yeah. Engineering. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so they had different kinds of cars. They, they, put things closer and then systematically farther away from the blast light to kind of see at what point is it safe? Are cars safe shelters? 
no, I'm just going to put that out there. No, we didn't know that from the ships, which are infinitely bigger and stronger, like <laughs> made of like steel and shit. I mean, I don't know anything about ship construction, which would, you know, kind of go into this, but I'm like, I feel like waves are different than roads. So there's just that. Mm. Yeah. So I do appreciate the experimentation they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's just such dangerous experimentation that you're like, oh, Gosh, guys. Gosh. Right. So the control on this is, I think, really where the the question mark in my mind happens. Because I mm. do love the fact that they show all of these um, clips and footage of them dressing up in mannequins. And the mannequins are in the houses. And they're dressed, uh, number one, in um, 50s garb, which is always fun. But it's like, mm-hmm. there's rayon, there's cotton, there's denim, there's all kinds of mm-hmm. different fabrics because they are also trying to understand what happens to the body, but also like what happens to these fabrics. Because I think we're, we were raised in the era of like, you can't make pajamas out of whatever just melts to your skin. I mean, like. Yes. Yeah. We grew up with yeah. the scariest pajamas ever because apparently they would have become one with our body. Right. So. Once we had kids, they were fire. They weren't fireproof. They were. I don't know. They were retardant. I think is the name. Brain retardant. Terrible (laughs) name. But nonetheless, that is what they called it. But it's like so. You know, one stray cigarette ash because that was also a thing in my house. (laughs) Wouldn't have ended my life and like resulted in several burn grafts or whatnot. But so I appreciate the fact that they're really looking at several different aspects and all of that stuff. And I love the way that they captured it too. Yeah. With the high speed cameras and the pinhole in whatever barrier that they're using that's effective. Um, So it's, you're able to capture everything without destroying your camera. And the footage is Mm -hmm. fascinating to watch. It's so crazy. Yeah. That it can capture the explosion, but then the subsequent way and like you just see it traveling toward you it's somewhat terrifying I assume that's what people felt like when they saw the first train coming at them at the theater <laughs> in the 20s or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah and houses that almost implode with the heat and then explode with force yeah it's because at first you're the houses are first hit with heat a heat wave and then just the aftershocks of force which I looked up and one of the guys here said it travels about 500 miles an hour I looked it up and it said about 700 miles an hour is how fast that travels. And it can travel up to 12 miles. So Jesus Christ, get out the way. Right. And that's not in the normal experience of people. So I think like, I have no concept of what that means. I know what it is to have a hot breeze blow in my face and how unpleasant it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, why is it cold breeze? Fuck. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, they were trying to compare it to like a hurricane or something that you might have some kind of sure. idea of what it would feel like, but a hurricane goes like a hundred, what, 150 mile an hour would be like catastrophic hurricanes. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe I'm just making that up. I don't know. Maybe it's a lot faster than that, but it's not 700 and some odd miles an hour. That's for goddamn sure. So, well, and I think the experience is, um, that only matter in a hurricane or if you're a weather channel newsman. So 
And you just anchor yourself down and you're good to go. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> How good is your raincoat? Yeah. But yeah, it is really interesting to see how they stage the houses and the cars and the little towns and the grocery stores. And so they call those doom towns, which I thought hilarious. Oh, I thought they called them boom towns. I thought was even funnier. So I don't know what they call oh. them. I didn't hear it then. I have, I <laughs> Either have way. doom towns. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> All right. That'll be in our pamphlet. Pull out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so they construct all this to get get a good idea of what's going to happen. And then afterwards, they go in and they're like, the mannequins are embedded with shrapnel and like, you know, just shit is all over the place. And they show you like a bus getting rocked by those shockwaves and it like strips the paint off everything. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, there's one house that was about 6,000 feet from the blast that survives. And Mm -hmm. they're just like so impressed that it survives. Like all the paint has been burnt off. I think the shingles blew off. The blinds blew out. The fireplace outside, the brick fireplace, Mm -hmm. like shifted six feet or something stupid. And then, oh, it's probably inches, but still it shifted and that's not good. (laughs) Well, if you're an engineer, that may or may not matter to you. It's fine. (laughs) Six feet, give or take a couple centimeters. That's right. <laughs> so they're like really, really proud that they they kind of figured something out. And I thought, but what about the people inside? I'm like, are you just going to sell the house to the next family because this family's dead? Well, like if it's to... burning the paint off, I'm pretty sure it burnt flesh off as well. Well, it's like, what's the insurance company going to say? Well, look, it's an act of God. We can't, uh, couldn't possibly shift your smokestack back mm-hmm. over six feet or whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. And one of the other things I loved is they got these mannequins from J.C. Penny, and any that survived, J.C. Penny took back and probably put them right back into rotation. They're like radiation, be damned. Just put some clothes on them and throw them out there. They're fine. <laughs> right. Or just touch up that real thin eyebrow, and it's good. So, <laughs> the melted face. They won't know the, the hair. We'll just put a hat on it. It's fine. It's fine. fine. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. Uh, so, so to try to figure out what the effects would be on people, there were a couple different things they did. First, they worked with like farm animals because pig skin has been known to be the closest to human skin as tattoo artists know. I don't know if they go around tattooing pigs, but this is what I've heard several times. So, so yeah, they put like pigs and sheep and uh, probably chickens, you know, at different like distances from the blast and most of them are immediately incinerated. So I'm glad they were quick deaths. Nothing so. else. Yeah. Yeah. But the other thing they wanted to uh, look at was the military and how it could survive a nuclear blast. So they dug trenches at different distances from the blast. Some as close as two miles and they, Started with Marines, because as I said, they're the most disposable. Oorah. And then, yeah, oorah. And then they brought in other military. I'm sure never the Air Force. They are just, they can't, they can't. <laughs> Couldn't be bothered? You know. <laughs> well, it's not that they could be bothered. They're too important. They're too oh, important. I see. I see. Yeah, they would put these people in trenches. And even some of the technicians and engineers that were working on site here, volunteer to go in these trenches to see what it was like 
And they expect you to sit in this trench while the bomb goes off. And they're like, yes, they describe it as a bright flash of light. And then it's like dead silent for a second before the wave of noise and heat just blows past you. Mm -hmm. And then they're supposed to just climb out the trench and keep fighting? Run at the explosion? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think this is a great illustration of something you have said before, which is like, you're just cannon fodder. <laughs> like, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Okay. Someone had made a comment that said, if they had known how bad it would be, mm-hmm. they probably would not have carried out the experiments as they did. Mm-hmm. And my thought was in public, <laughs> is that the difference? Because I can't imagine they would have done anything different. Otherwise <laughs> uh, I was like, Maybe you sign a waiver that you don't know what you're signing. Um, (laughs) Right. You sign that when you enter the military. Death might happen. Right. We're sorry. It's really all part of the experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was a hard one. That was a hard one. And there are long-term consequences for some of those folks. Yeah. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Because one Millie Rankin, that's nothing, Erin. That's nothing. That's right. Uh, Couldn't possibly be the sensitivity of your equipment um, or the fact that this is new. So, yeah, those folks, I think they had a name, nuclear veterans, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, So as they continue to age, they experience a lot of different cancers and stuff like that, which is pretty consistent with radiation sicknesses and blah, blah, blah. So they are compensated later there's like you know some criteria and junk how good that is i don't know but they're given you know 50 dollars, depending you know kind of on which side of the aisle you fall on there and i i hope that that was enough to treat them appropriately and like give them a lot of comfort i i don't know for sure well, and they said it was in the 90s. So this is far enough removed that one $75,000 isn't much, um, especially for healthcare if you have cancer or something okay, like that. Okay, sure. But also how many of them had already passed and died? So this is going to your family members, hopefully to help. I don't know. Um, makes me think of the 9-11 responders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any veteran could claim up to 75000 Like you said, I'm sure there was strict criteria that you hoops you had to jump through and they also had what they called downwinders so people who lived in surrounding areas that probably were severely affected by all the radiation as well could get up to fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. so nothing really nothing yeah and this kind of plays into some of those effects that they weren't necessarily considering so As they continue to test, um, there's some atmospheric debris, which starts showing up in weird ass places, right? Like Russia continues to test. Some of that shit ends up here. And I don't know exactly how they're labeling this. Is that different compounds or different radioactivity? Is that what you understood? Different isotopes. So they have different isotopes that they're measuring for, which are only going to be found because of this, as it as it breaks down, it breaks down into different yes, isotopes, yes. right? Until mm-hmm. it's stable thousands of years later. Mm-hmm. So they know where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. 
right? And especially a lot of times um, think about Chernobyl, you could tell almost depending on the isotope on where it was coming from, because you know what these people are yes. using as fuel. That's what I was trying so, to, yes. yeah, because uh, yeah. they never really compare like what the Soviets are doing different than what we're doing, but it, there has to be some right. differentiation or they wouldn't be able to tell what's coming from not mm-hmm. us where <laughs> right, right? Um, right what's not friendly fire um in this world so <laughs> but it starts to show up in uh the food supply um it starts to show up as in like cow's milk specifically is called out um it starts to show up in breast milk of nursing mothers because again this shit is not a joke it stays around forever and it penetrates you even if you don't feel it um which i thought chernobyl did a really good job of explaining how radiation works and makes you sick. Yeah. And it's, and it's accumulative, right? So you're not, it's not like you get a little bit and it comes out of your body. It's it's going to accumulate in your body. Think of mercury, right? The more fish you eat, the more mercury you get in your body. It's not chelating out at all. It's just building up. So that's probably bad for you too. Don't eat fish. It's gross. (laughs) Hold on. That's my PSA. (laughs) Big fish um, markets. Don't come after us can be done responsibly, but we definitely grew up in a time where they were like, Jesus Christ, this tuna is terrible for you. Blah, you know, so, but yeah. I think that it can be done responsibly, but yeah, it's definitely of concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, as this is going on, as more bombs are being set off, more people are, are moving to Vegas to work in the military site Vegas has grown, they say, in the decade of the 50s, from 50,000 to like 250,000. So that's huge. And part of it is because of atomic tourism. And the fact that that's a tourist draw, one, cracks me up, and two, I go back to, I totally would have gone to see that. So (laughs) I would have been that person. Right. Because again, there is atomic tourism now. Like, let's talk about that. If you watch Dark Tourist, they talk about the ability to go see uh, Chernobyl, some of those kind of sites. But Mm -hmm. you can, you know, there was some um, discussion while they were getting ready to step off the bus because they're like, my badge is reading, like my dosometer is like not, (laughs) like it's not saying what you're saying to me, tour guide. So Mm -hmm. if you had known up front that there would be like disastrous downstream consequences, that might have changed your approach here but at the time nobody it was just like look at this wonderful thing we've created that absolutely has no waste or scariness no no and yeah i i don't think anyone who went to see one like sat on a rooftop party and started ended the night started the day with seeing the bright light in the sky as they set them off every morning at four in the morning or whatever i don't think those people probably are going to have a lot of health problems if they packed it up and went home after that, right? That's a good time. Probably didn't have any issues, but the people who work there, they're going to have issues. Let's talk about the people that work there. Ooh, let's do. So people that work there, because to construct all these little doom, doom towns, because I like that. They had like a town of people that had to go and construct all this shit. And that made me laugh because it's, kind of a government-sponsored town, but they're talking about 
they have one of the secretaries come and talk on the documentary. Her name is Peggy, which is the best secretary name ever. And she's like real classy broad. So, you know, they're producing the bombs. They're working at the sites. Um, this place is called Mercury, Nevada, by the way, because they had to like name it for mailing purposes or whatever. And yeah, so there's a close knit of professionals working in this town because it was probably, I mean, government jobs have habitually been known to be good jobs. So I think it's very interesting to know sort of, but I think that these were like, you know, young hip professionals, at least that's how it is in my mind. But I think that's fascinating that this was a real boom. I mean, literally, but also <laughs> that was so terrible. I'm and fine. Good, it's fine. The same um, time. Yeah. Yeah. Good and terrible. But it's so interesting to think about that they weren't concerned about what they were doing or if they were, they didn't discuss it here, but that that was part of it. Yeah. It's just fascinating. I mean, me. it was, it was, like you said, there were good jobs that came. So they welcomed them into Vegas. The atomic mushroom cloud became like the symbol of Vegas. You see that you still see it out there somewhere, <laughs> some places. Oh, yes. There were so many good bits of footage of women who had their hair done like atomic clouds or Miss, Miss Mushroom Cloud. I don't remember. Miss Atomic Bomb. That's yes, what that's I have. much better than Miss Mushroom Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> but they did have a mushroom cloud on their little um, skimpy Leotard 50s. or whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. swimsuit type things. I mean, this to me is quintessential pageant girl stuff. I mean, it's pinup girl time, mm -hmm. right? But yeah, I just yeah. think it's funny because they've got like these really form-fitting things and like a floofy mushroom decoration on the front it's so bizarre so mm -hmm. but yeah like the logos of this time are um there's atomic liquor which still is in vegas which i'm like i might have to go buy something from them all the atomic logos you know think of uh yeah think of jimmy neutron i think is the most recent thing i think of yeah. like the little atom rings the electron yeah, yeah. rings yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but atomic stuff makes it its way into comics and there's like weird references on cereal boxes which I'm like oh don't put anything radioactive in there please <laughs> you know but it's just so funny they're gonna start putting dosimeter rings as your prize at the bottom oh. of your cereal now yeah they did have everyone that worked in the towns or mercury at least where what they called uh, like film badges, essentially they would wear a type of dosimeter that would kind of, they could measure and make sure they weren't getting too much radiation over time. So like every week or something, they'd trade it out for a new one and they would give them out even to like, you know, highway patrol and that who might be nearby. So they could kind of get an idea how far it stretched. it. Stretch it is not a word. How far it stretched. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh. And fasces all, all the wrong syllables. Syllable, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, they tested the water and milk and food, and so they were constantly trying. They were trying on some level to do it right, and I appreciate that. 
But on another level, they didn't really understand how far it was traveling as you're putting this shit into the atmosphere every single day. And that travels real far. And, right. you know, there's not much you can do once it's in the atmosphere. So there does come a time when the public starts to get more uneasy about this. So there seems to be a little bit of, there's congressional interest, right? So they're having to show that this is not harmful and kind of, I don't know, combat the public pressure or whatever. So there's sort of a conflict between what the public wants, which is less testing or no testing and what they're saying about like, look, we have to understand this. And so I think having some of that data was probably nice for the Atomic Energy Commission. However, just understanding that you have a film badge, which in essence is exposed to radiation and turns dark, isn't quantitative. I mean, I don't know if they can quantitate that or not. Mm -hmm. I do know that it's a very local thing. So who's testing two states over when the wind blows that way? You know what I mean? It's, they're like, well, if it's not that bad here, it's not that bad everywhere. And again, I don't know that they realized how much it accumulated in the system versus just, I don't know, going away, just dispersing into the air and being gone, which doesn't happen. Right. Now, it does seem from the people that discuss the testing and all that stuff that it was found to be tolerable of tolerable levels or non-harmful levels, uh, but they don't, I remain unconvinced. Let's say it like that. Right. Well, and, and with this being such new technology, they didn't have long-term data on any of it, right? So it's the long-term cancers that tend to get you. And, and it's not even long-term. It's not like 50 years from now you have cancer and they're like, well, it could be from anything. It's like maybe five or 10 years later or something like that if you're constantly exposed to it. But the U.S. decides to impose a moratorium on nuclear weapons testing, which, which Russia agrees to, right? Because Russia's testing as well, but they're testing in closer, closer to more populated areas. But I think we've learned that Russia doesn't mind killing their own people. Seriously, they have no problems doing that. Yeah, that's my impression as well. I would really like to have a Russian friend at some time and get it right from the horse's mouth instead of, you know, the vaguely, you know, yeah. they History seem... History written by someone who wasn't there. Right, exactly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sure the general... Russian population does not agree with their government killing them all willy nilly. So you don't think they're the government like over the years all for mother Russia, which is how I've been taught. Like they're just like robots. Right. I don't think that's true. Go to the gulag. No, <laughs> probably not. Mm-hmm. So what, what they put a moratorium on was testing atmospheric explosions. Right. So mm-hmm. they kind of decided to go underground literally right because i guess we didn't necessarily talk about these bombs that they've been setting off have been at various levels of height like some were on the ground some were suspended a thousand feet up 1500 feet up just to see what happened so it seems that if they were higher up when they exploded 
the devastation went out farther, but if it impacted the grounds, then it didn't go out as far, but it just really was effective in the, you know, radius of the, whatever you want to call that. So I guess, depending on what kind of terror you're after might influence you to drop it or I just think it's funny. Like, how did they think that's going to work? Like, I'm going to go into a foreign country and construct a tower from which I'm then going to load this. <laughs> like, well, what? I think as we as we got a little more um, knowledge. Right. And again, someone can correct me on this. Mm-hmm. I don't think just the dropping of the bomb has it explode. So for a nuclear bomb, an atomic bomb that is a fission reaction, I think it takes a regular standard explosion to kind of start that reaction. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think a hydrogen bomb, which is a fusion bomb, which has never been used in war, thank Mm -hmm. God, because it's much more powerful. I think that takes a nuclear weapon to start the fusion reaction, but I could be mistaken. This is why it's so fun to have a chemistry friend. (laughs) It's been so long since I've taken chemistry though, (laughs) and I'm so far removed from it now. But it's, it's one of those things that I think if you're using a regular explosive to start the reaction, you have a little more control over it, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I think the ones that hit Japan dropped to the ground first. Yes. And then exploded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So moving things underground before I so uh, unceremoniously stole that thread from you um, does seem like a strange way to go but okay yeah i don't know how it didn't have more catastrophic results right so again when we talked about the underwater detonation the underground detonation keeps the debris from getting in the atmosphere which is good however Mm -hmm. isn't it all like concentrated in the place where it's detonated and there's like people in tunnels and shit down there working yeah i i don't know Peggy did talk about going to see one, one of the underground explosions, which made me think of a super fun date night. Anyway, (laughs) so she's like, it would go off and you'd hear it and the ground shakes and you would see like this massive earth come up before it kind of fire came out of it. And then even more earth was displaced and it just kind of everywhere, literally. And someone was like, well, only collapsed five miles of the tunnel or whatever and I thought well that seems like a lot but oh Wilson agrees I mean it's a lot I'm sure that he was very interested in the documentary itself yeah and it leaves a giant crater and they're like this might be effective for other applications and I'm like maybe not just let's jump (laughs) I laughed out loud when they're like, what can we use not, you know, (laughs) atomic weapons in non-war environments? I'm like, nothing. Literally nothing. Right. The consequences might outweigh the benefits. Just saying. Mm, Just a bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. They wanted to use it to build a second Panama Canal, which they called the Panatomic Canal. Now that's witty. I like that. And they're like, we can move all the earth in one go. And I'm like, and then never go near it again. That That's not usable now. Hope those ships are sealed. <laughs> They're made Lord. out of lead. 
Uh, it's just crazy. But yeah, you can. That's uh, capitalism right there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. They did not use it to build a new Panama Canal that mm-hmm. I'm aware of. Or if they did, they hushed it up because it's not in America. So they didn't care that they killed a bunch <laughs> of people in the process, which is also quite possible. Right. But you can see the crater that was blown up when they were testing underground. And there's a guy, they have a picture or a video of a guy standing there. And you can't quite grasp the scale of it until you see how tiny he is standing on the ledge. And you're like, oh, shit, that's really fucking big. Right. Right. I would say I want to go see it, but I just don't. I'm just like, "Mm, mm -mm. I don't think so. I don't feel great about it. You can also go see the house uh, that still stands Mm -hmm. that they used, but you cannot go much further in because it's too uh, radioactive still and not safe. So there are some places you can go see, but not all of them. So the one you're talking about is the 100 kiloton one, right? Like the Mm -hmm. granddaddy, if you will. Mm -hmm. I will. That's a big one. Again, for reference... 15 and 20 kilotons is what we dropped in Japan. And so 100 kilotons, five times that. So so bad. Yeah. So bad. In 1963, JFK urges passage of a nuclear test ban treaty. The Soviets agreed because at some point in time before this, the Soviets broke the moratorium because they're like, nah, we still going to test. So then, mm-hmm. of course, we're like, so are we. And that's that's where we were. But in 63, JFK is like, this is really bad for everybody. Maybe we should not. But after this treaty, um, no more tests were done above ground. So I'm sure that very tiny print was like, you can do whatever you want below ground. And in 1992, there's an arms treaty that stopped testing for good. But as we all know, that's countries are going to do what they're going to do. So that's probably bullshit. (laughs) They're probably like, sure, it makes us feel better about it. That's been our kind of reasoning to keep our military strong, to keep everything going. Because, oh, my God, what if somebody else gets nuclear capabilities or the nuclear codes? Or I've seen many 80s movies and beyond that are like propaganda for a military base. And that's not to say that I'm anti-military. I'm anti-military. I don't know sycophant-ish, you know, like the people in the military, I think they're doing a great job and and they're doing noble work. It's just the rest of it that I have a problem with. It's just not the, what we're led to believe that it is, right? It's a fear-based system for us. So we don't mind to spend all the shit on it, but is it really necessary? That's my problem with it as well, is the amount of money that is spent on the military that we have no say in, right? Like I have no say as to what happens with my taxes, which I think is bullshit. And they're going to spend it on this when we need healthcare. We need um, a lot of things to build this up socially that would minimize crime. And, And it's been proven that if you have a better social structure, crime drops, people are happier, et cetera, et cetera. But that's just stupid data that we don't want to look at. So more bombs, more planes, more people to throw into the front line. So, yes. Yeah. You know, like our approach to the military is 
problematic. So. Yes. Nonetheless. Yes. Nonetheless. I found it fascinating that between 1951 and 1992, 1,021 detonations occurred at the Nevada test site. A hundred of them were above ground. And these are the ones we've mostly focused on here in the late fifties, early sixties. And they ended for good in 1992. So that's a shit ton of underground testing. Yeah. That's crazy to me. And they still use the site. It's called the national security site. They say they use it for computer simulations now. So no real bombs, but fake bombs. I think they have enough data points to do that at this point. Honestly, if you set out a thousand bombs, you can simulate the fuck out of it. And I do like that they kind of keep it ret to go in case shit hits the fan. Yeah. So I just feel like, (laughs) I hope we're just not like a petty kid or whatever, just waiting till something happens so we can like, (laughs) I know it's more (laughs) than that, right? It's definitely what I felt like when Mm -hmm. Trump was in office. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. Yeah. Any minute now. On one hand, it's terrifying to think of the destruction, right? On the other hand, I think they did show us that you can survive. So they're not as all-encompassing death and destruction as we originally thought, right? If you drop a nuclear weapon on LA, I'm not going to notice it here. It's not going to affect my life here that much. A little bit of radiation in the atmosphere or something. Um, Whereas I think before the thought was, that's it. It's going to destroy the entire world, which we could. You drop enough of them, you would. But I mean, it's there was at least knowledge gained from this. I don't agree with the testing they did. I don't agree with how they necessarily did it. But I understand why they did it. Right. It's such an interesting it's such an interesting lesson for those of us who are scientists because there is responsibility in science. You have to have some awareness of what you are, what you are doing. And so I think that this is one of those really interesting gut check moments. Like I know what we were trying to do at the front, right? We were trying to find an advantage that would help us end the war, which is a good thing. However, Boy, did we get into some interesting shit after that. Like, well, they're not like another way. Like, I don't know. So it's hard to criticize. Like I said, I wasn't there and I, I didn't understand the fear and stuff, but it is hard to be a scientist and be like, God damn, we do some stuff from time to time. That it's, yeah. It's hard to justify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say something good that's come out of all of this is it atomic energy. I know people are terrified of it because of things like Chernobyl and over in Japan after the tsunami and stuff, which was fairly well contained. Three Mile Island was fairly well contained. But it is honestly probably the only way to move forward environmentally because it is the cleanest energy source. And I think they need to do a better job of pushing that I mean, isn't nuclear medicine also, you know, kind of a downstream result? So I think there's some Mm -hmm. of that that Mm -hmm. is beneficial. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there are some benefits, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
we only hear the catastrophic things. So we don't hear the little things a lot of times. So there's, there's good. Okay. Parting thoughts. I really enjoyed learning about it. I loved the footage. It was almost entirely footage from the fifties in Vegas. I fucking loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very dramatic um, too, to see the footage that they took of the destruction. It's so interesting to see like, you know, tangible things that you're familiar with, like a house or a bus or whatever. And you just to see it just destroyed by a big shockwave is interesting. I hope that's the only time I have to worry about it. Uh, but I, I did appreciate this documentary. I thought it was really well done. And I am happy to do it at this time because I think there's a lot of interest. So, mm-hmm. yay. Did you have an honorary errand for this one? I picked Peggy. One, because she was a working lady in the 50s doing her thing. And I like how she's like, I had my friend take me to go watch one of the explosions. And I, that would totally have fucking been me. 100%. <laughs> I think she's like the only lady in this. So I also picked her because I was like, she's the reason anything got done at that fucking office that she worked in. And she looked good <laughs> yes. the whole time. So, yes, yeah. Yes, there was a congresswoman who was also in it, I <laughs> think. True. So, yeah. yeah, she talked about, she's the one who talked about the little pamphlets oh. on safety. Fall out your friend. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh. All right. With that, what are we going to do next week? So, uh, we continue to be complete shills and <laughs> pop culture. So, we're going to do a documentary called Tiny Shoulders. Rethinking Barbie, the 2018 release, one hour and 31 minutes, and it's on Hulu, and it is on Hulu. I just had to fight my Hulu app to actually find it. It was just like, I don't want to open for you. So, (laughs) but we got there. We got there. Good. Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we did Oppenheimer. Now we're doing Barbie. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Super fun. Mm -hmm. And I recommend everyone go see Barbie, the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing I'll recommend everyone go see Oppenheimer after I see it. So we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. I'm going to take you up on it. I just don't know when. So (laughs) I think Barbie was so interesting, though. It's such a quiet release. Like, I mean, I didn't hear anything about it. Um, And then all of a sudden it was out and I was like, this is kind of lame. Why are they doing this? Like, I didn't really understand what it was. And then I kind of like that that's the way it was because I kind of feel like a naysayer and be like, this is stupid. And then. It's not. It's got some, I don't know, social conscience. So, yeah, yeah, they did mm-hmm. a good job. I went and saw it with my fourteen-year-old son, who actually really liked it, and said that most of his friends liked Barbie better than Oppenheimer, and that gives me so much hope for the future. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So very we're good. Doing all right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So I'm excited for next week as well, and um, yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Come find us on the Twitters or X, whatever it's called X, now. Uh, yeah, totally. The Facebook, the Instagram, our website at goodoctorself.com. And we'll talk to you next week, guys. All right, later. Bye. Tomorrow.